0: Hey, queens and kings, we are back with part two of these three things: black women in the workplace, with the Queen Group, Atlanta, with Dr. Patricia, LaQuinta, Dr. Leslie, and Malika. We're gonna pick up right where we left off last week, where we were talking about black women. In leadership and the tightrope that we walk in our leadership roles. We'll start off with Dr. Patricia and make sure you wait to the end for these three things. Enjoy. for us,
1: we can depend, there are hearts can trust, that we'll find unity, you
0: and I, and many more,
1: these three things, that's how we'll be restored, so we can rise up, move
0: Close free my mind, let's go. These three things. Doctor Patricia, how do you advise? women of color in this role when they deal in leadership positions where they hear things like, you know, well, she's not very likable. I mean, she seems kind of aggressive. Like, you know, she's intimidating. How do you, what, what is your advice to that?
2: Yes. I think, I mean, there are two angles. I think as the woman yourself, I mean, this is something that in research women as a whole tend to have more of an issue with being perceived differently. And then I would say as a black woman, there's an additional layer on it as well. Um, So I I think part of it is organizationally like calling it out. Now, obviously you might not be able to call it out for yourself because that might come across a little bit away, but you might be brave enough to do so, especially now as the culture is changing. But I think when you see it happening with other women saying, Hey, I noticed that, you know, Michael had that exact same behavior and, people were talking about him as being assertive, but when she did the same thing, it was seen as aggressive. You know, why is that, you know, that sort of thing, like making people more aware of it because, Mm -hmm. you know, someone was talking about the idea of bias before. And I think a lot of times people aren't even necessarily aware of bias. And so you have to call it to their attention. Um, as As a Black woman yourself, I mean, I think you also just have to get in touch with your values. And when we talk about being authentic, thinking about, what is most important to me? Mm-hmm. And um, there's this book sometimes that I talk to clients about called The Regrets of the Dying, mm-hmm. where a nurse would talk to people on their deathbed and ask what their greatest regrets were. And the number one regret was I wish that I'd lived a life where I was truer to myself. Mm. Um, and I think that's really powerful because I could imagine my older self like talking to myself as a younger person. You know, what advice might I give? And I think that might be advice. And so I think if you're tapped into your values and you feel okay about how you're behaving, yes. then I think th- that can give you some courage. Um, but the other thing that I would say, and I'm talking about a lot of different things because I think it's not a, a simple, a lot of these One things One size are not fits simple. all. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. The other thing I would say is um, make sure that you're being emotionally intelligent and um, the best leaders have a balance of attention to the task and getting things done as well as being focused on relationships. Mm. And so if you're being a really hard-nosed, hard driver and you're not caring about how people feel, you're probably not going to get the best results anyway because people might do what they're being asked to do, but they might feel terrible the whole time and have no loyalty to you and those sorts of things. So I think you have to do a good self-check and recognize, like, am I being balanced here and is it a perception issue or is there a way that I could grow and be better and emotionally intelligent in terms of relating to people. So I think there are a lot of different things that you have to consider to unpack it.
1: Yeah. I think one of the things that Dr. Patricia said was so valuable is, you know, to expand on that in, in my own words, the equity that you have to cash in on mm-hmm. in a crisis is built when you don't have a crisis. Oh, mm-hmm. Very good. Right.
0: <laughs> That's so true. Because so you your ship crush, will sink. If absolutely <laughs> yes. so mm-hmm. what dr that's patricia so described
1: i call hr followship. yeah Do you that's have why
0: you got people? promoted yeah. <laughs> this is this right here is how we know
1: <laughs> that you got this
0: promotion i love it go but ahead it's, i'm
1: sorry it's who's following you mm-hmm. who's willing to go the extra mile for you when you don't have to ask for it yeah. because of mm-hmm. the relationships and the way you've treated people along the way yeah so for my sisters listening to this conversation how are you showing up are you mm-hmm. a bully mm-hmm. are but, you LaQuinta Are you
3: aggressive? And Dr. Patricia, I, I do want to ask a question here because I, I, I'm currently dealing with a situation where I feel like there's a teachable moment, specifically after hearing what you both both have said. Mm-hmm. So I am definitely I feel like more collaborative, mm-hmm. um, uh, and and I'm definitely a driver in when in times of crisis mm-hmm. in a crunch, and I and I understand that about myself. Um, I work with a client that deals with a very a, a lot of very uh, strong women with big personalities and they're also driven and they're drivers. Most of those women happen to be African-Americans. Now there is some support there that's provided to me and to us by a young lady who is Caucasian and she's intimidated by those personalities. And so after voicing my concerns and my issues with her in that situation. Leadership has felt a need to remove her from that situation, as opposed to allowing her to grow and thrive Mm -hmm. in those situations. And I can't necessarily say that that's something that I agree with, so I think that that may be the path that a lot of people take, Uh, and how do you deal with that?
1: Yeah, I agree. I don't know that, you know, if I was providing counsel, Mm -hmm. that that's the counsel that I would have provided. What I would have asked you know, if I was in that situation is what does she need to be led, right? Because you have to flex your leadership style for the f- each individual on your team. You can't have one leadership style and expect everyone to get their needs met, right? Mm -hmm. So it's understanding from your team, kind of one person may prefer text, one person may prefer email, one Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. person may prefer a voice of of formal conversations, right? you think about dis personalities and all that kind of stuff, we Mm -hmm. all thrive off of something different. If you're an effective leader, you've tapped into what that is for each person on your team. And each person on your team has to know what they need. And so for this situation, I would have said, What is it that's driving the intimidation for her? And let's talk about that so that we can get to a place where I'm giving you what you need and you're giving me what I need and we're working together. But I don't know that I would have necessarily removed her from the situation unless she wasn't effective in the role.
3: I I felt like the conversation was just uncomfortable for everyone.
0: Dr. Patricia, you want to speak to that as well?
2: Yeah. I mean, it sounds like it could have been a really great opportunity for her to develop, I guess, more skill as a leader. Um, you know, if you think of emotional intelligence, it's understanding yourself and being able to manage yourself and your own reactions and then understanding others and being able to manage those relationships. And so it really could have been an excellent opportunity for her to be able to understand her emotions in the moment, how she was reacting, Mm -hmm. like learn how to navigate that stress, but then also learn how to maybe be more assertive to deal with a different group. Um, Now, you know, whether she would have the coaching to be able to do that in the time frame that they would need her to do it so that she could be effective is another question. But the fact that they didn't even talk about that or use it, like, as you said, a teachable moment Mm -hmm. was really a missed opportunity. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Do you feel like they just bailed her out?
3: I did because I felt like it was a conversation they didn't want to have. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. Didn't want to address it. Yeah. Yeah. Did she want to be bailed out? I can't say that 100%. percent i I, I feel like that was the reason for them pulling her. So yeah, rather than allowing her to grow, mm-hmm. um, maybe she expressed that it was something that she wasn't ready for mm-hmm. and they made the decision and
0: grow in ways that we have to. Right. Dr. Patricia, are we wrong to expect support from other women of color in the workplace?
2: I mean, I don't think it's a right or a wrong. I would think that it would be nice if we as a community can come together and support one another. I think that's ideal. You know, I think um, I'm thinking about like why it is that way. And, and, and let me say that I don't want to stereotype because I work with clients who Absolutely. have like fabulous relationships with Black women yes. too. But if you think about systemic racism, which we were talking about and how there are limited opportunities, then... You know, it goes to follow that people might have more of a scarcity mentality and feel like you're in direct competition with one another because you might not feel like there's enough space for both of you. And so I think kind of systemically, there are factors that drive it. You know, there's this narrative that women are always catfighting one another and can't get along. And so, you know, I guess which comes first, the chicken or the egg, like do women because of these bigger factors really compete with one another Or do our expectations also affect what we're doing as we approach other people um and then of course there's the issue of like how are you feeling as an individual and what insecurities like you talked about Malik is the person um projecting like as I see this other person am I seeing them as a threat to themselves or to me and so how do I deal with my own insecurities so that um I can interact with women in a way that's supportive and positive and i think this whole black girl magic movement that we're having mm-hmm. i think it's great and i hope maybe that's an indication that things are changing um and i, I guess i'm an optimist so i kind of i'm hoping that things are moving in that direction um but i think unless we can take a look in the mirror and kind of think about what are my own reactions and I'm expecting that person to smile first, maybe I could smile first and yes. get the ball rolling and realize that we've all maybe been harmed by different stereotypes and experiences and kind of be the change right. instead of expecting the other person to be the change.
0: I want to pose this first question to Malika because Malika, you come from uh, the world of politics as well, correct? Yes, ma'am in your perspective and in your experience, what has it been like working with other women of color in politics? And the reason why I'm coming to you first is because this is a conversation that we don't hear a lot and we don't talk about a lot, is how women of color are communicating and getting
3: along uh,
0: and working with other women of color in the world of politics.
3: So politics in general, uh, and I know we had a conversation about credit, Politics is, is, credit is the foundation of politics. It's what have you done, what are you doing, and what can you like put your rubber stamp on? So credit is really key mm-hmm. uh, in the political arena. If I want to be able, as a politician or someone supporting a politician, to say, I had my name on this, I made this happen, I created this opportunity, and I got this done. Um, and so being a support, or I would say functioning in a support role, I have found um, fostering or nurturing relationships with African-American African women to be um, a little challenging. Uh, I would say most of my support uh, in the space that I've operated in has come from men. Uh, most of my mentors have been men in this space. Uh, I've had opportunities and, and I've been ele- elevated by men. Um, and again, I don't know if it's because credit um, and relationships are key, being able to nurture uh, and foster and create relationships. Your network is is, is definitely <laughs> your value in politics. And so um, it's, it's kind of, I, you know, I, I love what I do. I love the space. But at the same time, it's kind of cutthroat. And so, again, I, I would say it's been my experience when it comes to other women, specifically in support support roles. um, It has not been um, as positive for me as I would have liked.
0: Okay, and part of the reason why this podcast was created was because of the lack of support piece that so many of us as black women feel when talking about other black women. It is an issue. We struggle with supporting each other. We do we struggle with supporting each other because we didn't feel support. And it's just a cycle that we continue to, it's like a hamster wheel. And a part of the work that I pray happens in this podcast is that we get to the root of that, black women, and understand why is it that we we struggle to work together. And what I don't wanna do is I don't wanna throw us all in a big ball and say that we all collectively do it. But just from all of the conversations that I've had thus far, it is an issue with us. It is an issue. I remember an
3: interview um, or uh, a show where I saw, or maybe it was even something I read, where Gabrielle Union made the comment that, you know, automatically when she would see a woman or maybe even specifically an, African woman, an African-American woman walk in a room, her, her thought immediately was, mm, what does she do to get here? And so I feel like that maybe unknowingly we have those thoughts. Um, Again, relationships are key in politics. I I consider myself an Uber networker. I'm connected to people in ways uh, most people don't even realize. Um, And perhaps there are some perceptions or some thoughts that come with how I've been able to nurture or foster those relationships. What I will say is I'm comfortable with me and my actions and what I have done or have not done to create opportunities for myself and others. Um, and I don't really own black women or women in general being comfort- comfortable with me or uh, okay with that. But I think definitely um, having access, um, having opportunities to to be in the room, um, where others may not have had those opportunities or may not know how those opportunities were afforded um, could be a problem. Dr. Leslie?
4: Yeah, as I transitioned into corporate America, I I did notice, uh, you know, a different dynamic. Um, Having been in the sports world and in in the position I was in prior, there weren't I was a really the only woman in those spaces. So I didn't have anyone to reach to, but coming into this space, I noticed when I got hired that I would see other black women and they wouldn't speak. And I speak to everybody just being a Southern girl, you know, I acknowledge, especially if I see another black person and I noticed that they wouldn't speak to me, but the black men would, and I tend to gravitate towards them. Um, And then as my career progressed over the years, I made it a point to be intentional with my interactions with black women. Um, I looked to them for some of them for guidance. There were situations where I had had actually reached out to one at a, a, a much higher level, and it was just so hard for her to respond or or get feedback like I remember setting up a meeting with her one time and oh I got on the call and she never showed up and I was like wow how could you you know did she
0: ever follow up
4: no no so I finally gave up and went to my manager who, who was a black man and I said "I I, I can't believe this but right. what I found out is it wasn't just me this is with a lot of people. She did not have good follow up. People
0: in general or other women of color?
4: I I don't know if it was other, I don't know. Okay. But her follow through wasn't good, but I thought that I was, it was really disappointing Mm -hmm. that, you know, to be on that level of leadership and there's not many, if I couldn't even think of anyone else besides her in this entire organization, which is a mammoth size organization. Um, but from there, I just, there are just not many women that look like me in leadership positions. I did have a couple that I had relationships with, but it was mostly men. And so, but now that I'm in management, I, my, the black women I interact with are, our relationships, our conversations are dynamic, they're supportive. I can pick up a phone or send an email and we're there for each other all the time. So it's been, it's been a positive situation, I'd say for the last eight to nine years.
0: And LaQuinnah, I want you to speak on it as well, because I want to, I want to forward this question once you Mm -hmm. share uh, to Dr. Patricia, because I want to hear her perspective. And then there's a couple of questions that I want to ask her directly. So please share.
1: I think my perspective is been very similar to Dr. Leslie um, in that I have seen more negative than I have experienced right and so one of the things that you said of your ask um, Mm -hmm. that comes out of this podcast is my ask to the women listening is that instead of a woman walking in the room and you thinking to yourself how did she get here our terminology needs to be how do I support her how do I how do I lend my personal support to her whether it's in this moment, whether it is giving her that encouraging eye because she's presenting, or if it's following up and giving that feedback. I also think that in our our environment, we have to remember that there is seed time and harvest time, or you reap what you sow, or universe and attraction, or Mm -hmm. whatever your guidance is, Mm -hmm. all of that comes back around. And so if we are those women showing up in the environment where we are not supporting each other, we need to change. And we also need to figure out what's driving that behavior for us, whether it's broken relationships outside of work or broken relationships inside of work. And we need to heal that.
3: Yes, I think there's a sense of of competition that's unnecessary outside of politics. One of the most defining moments in my life, it changed me was uh, when I was making a decision to be an entrepreneur Yes, and I reached out to an African-American woman who had a relatively successful fashion business in Chicago. And I simply asked her to mentor me, you know, Mm -hmm. help me figure out how to do this and, and how you got to this point. And very pointedly and point blank, she said to me, why would I give you my knowledge, my information and share with you just for you to come set up shop next to me and do better than me. And that took me aback, but I made a decision at that point that I would never do that to another woman, but specifically, or person, specifically another black woman. So I have made been very intentional mm-hmm. in my efforts to impart knowledge To share, to mentor, because what I realize is, what's for me is for me, Mm -hmm. and what's for you is for you. Absolutely. And if I have those gifts, those jewels to share, then I'm going to share them. But again, I think unfairly, and I don't know if it goes back to you know what's been sealed in us from slavery, Jim Crow, whatever. There is an unnecessary sense of competition there, where I think we don't nurture helping each other Mm -hmm. so
0: let's go deeper we say support and I'm doing air quotations what does support look like though because support is different to everybody in everything like we throw that word around loosely like we don't support each other but as black women what do what does support look like like if, if we could if we could take four or five things and say that's a supportive sister she's supportive what are those things
2: I mean, I could say it probably varies depending on the person, but I would say things like kindness is supportive, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, sharing knowledge is supportive, Uh, being a willing ear is supportive, like a place to vent. And I don't think you're necessarily going to find that in every single person because you don't have the same kind of chemistry and vibe with every single person. Right. But at the very least, I would say kindness and a willingness to wish you well and kind of do what they can to help you to, to um, accomplish your goals in the organization. But I'm sure like you guys might have other opinions on that too. What
0: uh, is support for you, Dr. Leslie?
4: I say support is, uh, to Dr. Patricia's point, just being there sometimes, uh, having someone that looks like you that's in that space that may be able to understand what you're going through if you have issues, a safe space in that work environment, as well as being supportive of when they're going after uh, different initiatives or promotions, being able to give constructive feedback, real feedback, don't just golf clap and say, Oh yeah, you've got this, do a great job, but be able to mentor and coach them and be a positive person in their space that even if they go after something and they fail, you will still be there to support them. Not talking about them behind their back to other people, right? you know, saying negative things, saying positive things in their face, and then given the opportunity, you know, under undermine and undercut them behind their back. I just, but even just if being there is is support, that's sometimes all a person needs.
1: I think for me, support shows up in you sharing your knowledge, um, and you also teaching people what you've done to be to get to where you've gotten. Um, I often have conversations with, and this I'll, I'll share something that happened to me on the reverse side. Several of the female colleagues in the organization, after my recent, you know, kind of elevation, reached out to me and said, "As you're." Working with such and such, these are some of the tricks that I've learned. Mm. Do this, do that. Don't do this. Don't do that. Okay. And they shared those kind of tidbits with me. Now it's my choice, and up to me to put those into action. And it's something that I, you know, I kind of paused for a moment, and I reflected on who I was as a person and realized that it was what I was putting back out was coming back to me Mm. um, in a way that was supportive. And that to me is what support looks like.
3: Yeah. Support for me is uh, definitely having or being a trusted confidant. Uh, This is support, being able to have this type of dialogue and glean new ideas, understand different points of views. Um, But most importantly, I think just being there for each other um, in times of need Mm -hmm. um, and when, when we even don't necessarily need each other, just to share a laugh. For me, that's support.
0: Yeah. Dr. Patricia, you can, I'd like for you to just speak on this, but I feel like a lot of the energy and the lack of support that we as women of color feel with other women of color is not even about the other woman. It's about us. It's about how we feel about us on the inside. It's about where we are on the inside of ourselves. I think that when you are struggling and you are insecure and You know, you could have just had some moments in your life where things just didn't go as planned. You could have lost a job that you really identified with. And I can speak to that because when I lost my job in Knoxville, for me to be a part of a staff that got let go, that was a mourning process for me. And I began to realize how much I identified with my career. And outside of my career, who are you, Sharana? I felt a root of bitterness trying to creep up in me because... I was now having to re-identify who I was, and outside of all of these external things, who am I? As black women, we gotta figure that out, because a lot of us are caught up in our careers, and the money that we make, and the people that we're married to, and the cars that we drive, and all of these material things, and when those things are gone, who are you, sis? And I'm not trying to generalize or say it's all of us, but a lot of us, we don't know who we are. And so when I see a sister who I feel like, and she may not even be doing better than me, but if I feel like she's doing better than me, or if I feel like she's more accomplished than me, or if I feel like she has more than what I have, there's, a, there's that competition, there's that threat, there's that comparison. Who are you? Because when you know that, it is not gonna matter what anybody else has, what they don't have. When you see a black woman, you'll just appreciate another sister and say hello and be able to have conversation with her. That's my two cents. That was long, but that's, you know,
3: we appreciate it. That's how I feel about
2: that. Yeah, no, I can say, I mean, I I don't know that I could say that any more articulately than you just did. Um, But I think that often other people are a mirror for us and how we respond to them can tell us a lot about ourselves. And so I think if you're looking at, you know, what you're jealous of in other people or the gaps that you have or what's threatening you, instead of just responding to that initial reaction, that kind of fight or flight state you're in almost of having to fight and compete, you really need to get curious and use that as an opportunity to think, what can that teach me about myself? Why am I having this reaction? What is this triggering? How can I heal that part of myself so that I can be happy for everybody? Quite frankly, there's space enough for all of us to thrive and to succeed. And so, yeah, I would say to listeners, when you have those reactions, take a step back and a deep breath and get curious and, you know, use it to learn about yourself.
1: Mm. I think the biggest thing for me, the message for women in this is you got to find balance in life and you got to know when to lean in. There's this book by a phenomenal author. I can't remember her name. Sarah Sandberg, Mm -hmm. but it's called leaning in. And there's times where you lean in and you lean out and it's okay. To understand when you need to make deposits and when you need to make withdrawals professionally and, and, Mm -hmm. uh, Personally.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You are listening to these three things. Black women in the workplace with the queen group. Atlanta will be right back. Queens. Do you want to get ahead on the job, but know that you can't afford to work with an executive coach? Visit Dr. Patricia Thompson at silver lining psychology.com. She has a range of online courses on a variety of topics, including productivity, emotional intelligence, mindfulness, and leadership. You'll also find lots of quizzes along with helpful career tips on her blog. And of course, if you need coaching, she's got you covered. Learn more at silverliningpsychology.com. Dr. Patricia, in your role Mm -hmm. as a corporate therapist, have you noticed a difference in relationships concerning women of color with other women of color?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think I've just really seen, kind of like you all have talked about, a real gamut, um, where there are some where there is that sense of scarcity, and they don't work well together, whereas, you know, in other cases, I was talking just last week to Um, a Black woman VP who reports to actually a Black woman CEO and how that CEO has been her greatest advocate and very supportive to her and giving her all kinds of opportunities to be able to grow and be creative. Um, And so I really think it comes down to, you know, who are the individual people and how much they know themselves and their level of confidence and kind of ownership of who they are. Um, And I I would think, you know, once you reach a certain point, you've probably built up more confidence that makes it easier for those sorts of things to happen. Um, And I think actually, you know, entry level, you might feel less of the um, threat. I mean, I think people's uh, positions vary. but you know entry level you might feel like we're all in this together <laughs> right. i think sometimes in the middle management is where it can get a little bit more competitive and where you're feeling more scarcity of position um so yeah i've seen, i've seen a range There's you know depends on the person and the organization too i think
0: like what is the catalyst for the reasons why our rela- the relationships are negative negative? and then also too what are the reasons why they were positive and they were good like all of the positive relationships that we have with other women of color like what made those things good? Hmm.
1: I was gonna say unspoken expectations versus spoken expectations. Mm. I think sometimes we have unspoken expectations of each other. Okay, an example. And we're expecting, for example, I can think back to, you know, joining one of the organizations that I joined, and I joined kind of at the senior manager level. Um, and when I walked in the door, there was another young lady that was there who was a senior manager. And I think in the back of my mind, I just expected, since she's already been in this role, yes, you know, I'm now in this role.
0: We're going to be cool. We're going to be
1: cool. <laughs> but I didn't have a relationship with her. So how did I have that expectation Yeah. without putting in the time to build a relationship? She doesn't know my character. She doesn't know my work ethic. She doesn't know me from a can of paint, right? So why should she yeah. put all her chips in the basket to support me when I not I wouldn't
0: put all my chips with you, Q. But I dang sure ain't gonna stiff arm you. No,
1: I don't believe stiff arming you. But I think yeah. it's what I go back to is this unspoken expectation that we have of somebody. We're supposed to be cool and just girls. We're, we're supposed to be homegirls, yeah. right? Um, I feel that. But I don't know that that's always fair in ev- in any situation. So yeah. I think what's worked well is unspoken expect. What's worked well is spoken expectations. worked What's worked What hasn't worked well is unspoken expectations. anybody
4: else on that I feel like I've always gone into those relationships like this Mm -hmm. like pushing away because I'll go in with corporate speak and I'll wait till I have a live conversation with you to see if I can really drop you know what I want to say and then if I feel like I have that opening I jump in because I I usually come in in with the opposite thought like because I don't know I don't know, and that's I don't want to misspeak and no, say to them, "Oh, it. you know, you know this happened today, and they're like, "Oh no, you should have done this, and you should have done that and I'm like, "Oh, I can't go there. Yeah, that's fair. yeah I,
1: I just buried a friend yesterday or had her services yesterday that I will definitely call a friend. She and I worked together at my previous organization. she was legal counsel. I was in HR, her name is Sharonda Clark, and I will never forget how welcomed she made me feel in that environment by the, by the actions that she demonstrated. One of the first action we had was a hilarious action. I mm-hmm. had my lashes on; mm-hmm. one of them was popping off. She sent me a text message and was like, "Go to the bathroom and fix that." <laughs> <But> <laughs> yes, and that broke the ice yes. between us, right? Yes. Um, and then we I had another it. conversation, and one of her wigs was t- twisted, and I was like, <laughs> Girl. "Straighten up." yeah you know I mean? but that was the that was the bond that brought us yes. together. And so none of our colleagues really understood that we also had that bond outside of work. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. until I saw people yesterday and they were like oh my god you mm. you guys traveled together you were friends but we, that wasn't you know what made our what made our bond work it was just that level of support that we had within the organization so I, I definitely understand what you're saying and I'm I think I'm just I've just been fortunate yeah to have those experiences I have
3: to say I walk in a room just automatically assuming this is going to be an uphill battle so I'm I've, I've already made my mind up that I am going to make this, this lady okay with me. Yeah. Uh, right. I think naturally uh, I come off as probably when you look at me physically on those days, I know I have my natural hair. today. You fly, Malika. <laughs> you know, I come off as a, as a housewife, probably a stereotypical house, you fly, Malika. <laughs> housewife. Yeah. And so uh, I think that comes with a, a, a certain set of, connotations and notions so for me that's that's already a battle or a challenge I'm Mm -hmm. having to fight and then
0: but is it really Malika or is that
3: in your mind it could be in my mind but I I feel like a lot of the resistance that I've gotten has been because of that that's just my own personal experience
0: because when you walk in the room not everybody knows
4: anything about you she commands she commands the the space the
3: physical the presence
4: She commands the space. I've been in many rooms with Malika (laughs) Uh, and especially in the political arena. Yeah. I walk. I pull, let me tell you, I have walked in (laughs) rooms with Malika and Malika is power. Mm -hmm. Like I'm like, is this <laughs> I mean I, I even took her to one of my work events and she was pulling me like Leslie you gotta do this and I was like okay yeah this is politics <laughs> this is the politics but, I'm, I'm a but she is very yeah. commanding the space and I've watched how other women react to her right. too I'm very observant and I like to watch the room and I've watched so how other women that,
0: mm, who she thinks she is look
4: yeah they feel threatened by her yeah. when she walks in so yeah. I go in with stuff. the mentality mm, yeah to
3: yeah disarm. Yeah. I'm going to make you as much as and I can. And what ways
0: do you disarm? Like how do you try to disarm? I
3: first of all, if there is a woman there with her partner mm-hmm. or with her colleague who may be a male, I'm always going to address her first. Yes. I'm going to it's very intentional. I'm going to speak to her first. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be very intentional about engaging her in conversation. Now, she may not be as receptive. But I feel like that me helping her be okay with me being yeah. in the space mm-hmm. definitely takes things down. Yeah, I will say it's it's always refreshing to be around women who are definitely a lot more secure yes. and comfortable with themselves yeah. and more welcoming. But again, it's typically my approach to kind of go in with the mind mindset that this is going to be an uphill battle, so I'm 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 already mentally prepared for it. And
0: see, I think that's good conversation for women who have that essence when they walk in the room because I do believe that. that, that
3: space. Yeah. (laughs) I do believe
0: that there are plenty of sisters who walk in the room and they own the room and that needs to be talked about because I'm sure, and I, and I'm glad you brought it up because I've never really thought about that, but I'm sure that there is a little bit of, mm, you know, the looks we give Mm -hmm. the up and down Mm -hmm. to check you out from your shoes to the top of your head, Mm -hmm. the size up, you know, and you have to disarm. Right. Because you got to disarm before you can even get exactly. to the business of it all. Exactly. Yeah, that's a lot. Does, does that feel like overwhelming sometimes?
3: It can be overwhelming. And I think for me, that's why I typically gravitated, maybe unfairly or not so unfairly, more to engaging or doing business with men. Yeah. But when it comes to dealing with women, like I said, I'm always definitely a lot more intentional about being disarming.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So lastly... HR, I'm turning to you, LaQuinnah, because you and Dr. Patricia are probably going to be our our look-tos for the HR piece. And mm-hmm. people have a lot of feelings about HR. Mm-hmm. Do you feel that employees genu- genu- generally trust HR?
1: So I think HR functions different in different organizations, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, for the organizations that I have built, I have built a um, HR organization that is much more collaborative, um, and we're less policy-driven. Kind of the policies are, you know, kind of our bumper our guards, right? Right. You know how far to go, how not, how not far to go but you manage the person inside the environment, right? And you manage the person by explaining to them what options they have. So in general, do I think people holistically approach HR with a trusting perspective? No, a trust has to be earned. But I also don't know that people fully utilize their HR departments and their HR leaders because they don't know what to get out of them.
0: And tell, and tell the listeners what they should expect to get out of HR.
1: Right. So if you're looking for growth opportunities and promotional opportunities, meet with your HR manager to talk about your resume. How is your resume pulled together? Uh, go to them for mock interviews. Talk to them about what are the positions in the organization should be, that should be your natural next step. You know, one of the things that Dr. Leslie said earlier is we typically don't go for positions that we don't think we can do. Mm -hmm. However, the position that you think you may do may be four steps ahead of where you are today. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that is a you're going to run into a barrier because you're trying to move four steps ahead in your organization. When realistically you could probably bump one or bump two levels. Right. So have that conversation with your HR leader about, you know, kind of what's the next level and what's needed at that next level. Yeah. Um, also partner with your HR leaders about mentorship programs and leadership development programs okay. and how do you get yourself involved in those programs. And then reach out for coaching and counseling, you know, asking for guidance on those tough conversations before they become tough conversations. Now, one of the complaints I've heard a lot is that you go to HR and then it's all over the business. That's a poor HR leader. Mm, right that's not yeah. the true function of hr so you have to be you know guided in that as well
2: dr patricia yeah i would agree with with all of that i mean clearly uh LaQuente is the expert on this one um but my own experience is that i think the degree to which people um trust hr again just depends on the culture of hr like she said i think there's some hr departments where they're more prone to um want to be punitive or also want to be um, administrative and maybe not thinking as much about people as a whole. And we're just about kind of running the business from an HR perspective. Um, so, yeah, I think it just really depends on if they've shown that they can be trustworthy, if they've shown that they can be confidential, if you, have you know, made a complaint and it's come back to you in some way, that's been inappropriate or shown that they've kind of reached confidentiality then of course people won't trust HR. That kind of thing gets around. So um really just depends.
1: You know, the other thing I would say to Dr. Patricia, to your point, when you're engaging with HR, there are certain things that you're going to come to HR about that are policy driven. Mm -hmm. And you may have broken the policy. Yeah. You may not have shown up. Your performance may not be where it needs to be, right? right?
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Own you in the process. Don't lie about it. Don't, yeah. don't over exaggerate it. Own you in the process and ask for guidance on how do I get out of this. Yeah. If you're on mm-hmm. a performance improvement plan, understand what the expectations are of you and get past that performance improvement plan. Right. right? And get
0: past how you feel about it. Get,
1: right. <laughs> you know, now also sometimes, you know, folks will say I shouldn't have ever been put on a pip because my other colleague wasn't on own you. Right. Own you in that space. Yeah. And honestly, if you know the pip isn't going right, use that sixty days to be interviewing and looking for another job. (laughs) (laughs) So that you're walking out of that pip with another with a job already. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Versus, you know, being mad that on the sixtieth day, you know, you haven't done anything to help yourself.
0: So how does a and I'm gonna just preface it as a woman of color because obviously this is the podcast, but how would a woman of color who is dealing with microaggressions, who's dealing with other things approach HR because I get the whole like mentor sponsor uh your performance evaluation uh Mm -hmm. all of those things but when you're dealing with problems because I find that this is where people don't trust HR like when there's a problem and I need to go and have someone to talk to I feel that a lot of people feel that HR's job is to protect the powers that be more than it is to protect the people who work for the powers that be can I add on to your question yes
3: In addition to that, so when that individual comes to HR, are there ramifications or um, recourse that an individual will have if HR, by
1: chance, shares that information with individuals they were not supposed yeah. to share? Them? So th- I'll use a piece of advice that my grandmother used to tell me is practical: be prob- be smarter than the problem before you. Okay. Okay. So if you're if you're approaching, and so to answer Malika's question, I will say I have seen a ton of botched investigations that were not handled right because of experience. Mm-hmm. The level of the HR person sitting in the job or um, the bias that that person has, I, I've seen it. So I'm not even gonna say on this podcast that it doesn't happen. Yeah. The advice that I would give someone is to go with your specific examples. On this day, this happened, this was example. So
0: documentation is important.
1: Documentation is important, but unbiased documentation. Take your yes. feelings out of it. I applied for this job. I was interviewed for this job this comment was made to me i applied for this job i interviewed for this job this comment was made to me i would like for you to look into these for me and tell me if there is a pattern set your expectation around what you want coming out of your hr partner yes and out of the investigation and then make a decision once you get that response if it has met your needs or not met your needs and then also You know, if there are certain situations that are um, leaning towards, you know, a bias or a a a policy violation or a legal stance, seek outside counsel and understand kind of what your rights are, Mm -hmm. Um, but don't, uh, you know, every situation, and and this is one of the challenges I have when I'm talking to individuals of color within the organization is everything isn't race related. Right.
2: Right. It's
1: not, sometimes Mm -hmm. you're just not performing or sometimes Mm -hmm. there's a disagreement, or sometimes you've misunderstood, or someone else has, you know, give people grace. No, no, Yet today I may have said to you, you know, or or said something to you that you didn't think was professional, um, but have that conversation. And then determine if there's a pattern there. If that pattern exists, that's where you go to HR with a specific pattern. So those would yeah. be the pieces of advice I would give. And if
0: if they come to HR, and I'm and I'm asking these questions mm-hmm. for a listener who maybe like in a situation that you're educating them now on how to maneuver through it, uh, I go to HR. I line, I outlined as you suggested, and I'm not met with a response that I feel like is appropriate or fair. What's next steps?
1: Escalate it to the next person in leadership, right? Over
0: the particular person that you mm-hmm. went to, because you've already went to
1: them. Mm-hmm. But I would also tell them I. You know, I don't feel like your, your response has provided me, you know, adequate response. I would like to speak with your leader about it. Um, and then, again, vote with your relationship.
0: Thank you. Thank you, ladies. Thank I you. appreciate this conversation. I feel like we covered a lot. Uh, and I gave a lot of great information and insight for women who would be listening to this. Um, we're going to take a break and talk about our three things, and we'll be right back. If you want to find more information about this episode and my guest, go to www.these3-things.com. Go to our podcast page and click on this episode. Hey, this is Sharana Reeves. We are back with the Queen Group Atlanta. And now it's time for these three things. Number one. Goals, dreams, objectives. Do you know what yours are? Does your mentor or sponsor at work know? Do you have a mentor or a sponsor? We all have career goals. On a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being super aggressive How aggressive are you being right now about achieving yours? I know. It's not always easy to vocalize to others our career goals and our objectives. It's not always comfortable to ask for guidance or reach out for mentorship. But if comfort is what you're looking for, you certainly won't be achieving your goals and dreams. Ask for the guidance feedback, and mentorship you need. Be vocal about what you want. Be nervous and do it anyway. This is how you will find your tribe. The sooner you find your tribe, the quicker you reach your goals. Be intentional about your career success. After all, my dear, It is your career. Number two, own your role. So you got the promotion. Now you're calling the shots, making the decisions. The head sister in charge. It feels good, don't it? That was until doubt kicked in because... Things didn't go quite as planned. Everyone doesn't seem to be following your lead. In this moment, doubt doesn't deserve your attention. This is the moment to own your role. Take a moment, assess the situation, get the feedback you need, and adjust. Have those needed conversations. Get those private buy-ins. Reach out to your tribe for the support and guidance you need. Leaders are always learning. Queen, this role suits you perfectly. Own it. Number three, mirror image. It's important to pay attention to how we are showing up, not only in the workplace, but in the world. Dr. Patricia said that other people are a mirror for us and how we respond to them can tell us a lot about ourselves. How are you responding to others? Your colleagues, the woman at the mall, The sister at the hair salon, the people in your family. If you don't like your answers, it's time to get curious about why. Healing those places in us that can't support or be happy for other people is the first step to true personal happiness. There's space for all of us to thrive and succeed. Black women, Let's make sure our responses to each other mirror back to us an image we are proud to see. Okay, Queens, that's it for this episode of Part 2, Black Women in the Workplace with the Queen Group, Atlanta. A special thank you to Dr. Patricia LaQuinta, Dr. Leslie and Malika. We'll see you next week with a new episode of These Three Things.